0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Jesus offers this life of abundance, this water where we will never thirst again, a yoke that is easy, right? That yoke that an ox carries and it's easy because Jesus is carrying it where the burdens are light that he promises and when there's joy forevermore what happened to that so if that is true and that's what we come to believe then where are my people at somebody turn to your neighbor and say neighbor and say where are my people at and what i'm addressing here is the church leavers in this first chapter it talks about the church leavers there are three types of church leavers described in this first chapter now each of these church leavers all together are people who have made a genuine commitment to christ what they all have in common is that in one way or the other they were not experiencing that deep christ transforming life change either in themselves or in the people around them the first group are those who made a genuine commitment but realized slowly that when it came to no change and they saw that others weren't changing and that they struggled with their marriage, their parenting, their workplace, with depression, with anxiety, right? with insecurities, with addiction, with drugs, with the need for approval when they didn't know how to handle themselves, as, as, they, as they came to realization that there was no deep change there and that, that those that were on the outside of the church were just about the same as us in the inside of the church. They saw that same deep struggle with very little to no change. So they left. The second group are church leavers who have stayed experiencing just about the same that i explained above but they stayed in the church but they're checked out they're disconnected and and they're here and we stay here sometimes even though we're going through this and experiencing this maybe because of our children and we want them to grow up knowing jesus and being connected to the church maybe it's because of some other alternative reason the third group are those who quit their faith altogether, after experiencing other Christians who were knowledgeable, who were maybe busy and in, in, in the front row, also though arrogant and controlling, insecure. Their spiritual development in our church is focused on knowledge and doing and conforming on the outside, but saw little to no change. And they just basically left their faith altogether. So the problem with that is when we conform only to the outside is that it's half a truth, right? It's it's still good if there is an outward change, but if there's no inward or if the intention is not there, then it's a half truth. What happens is when at first we find out what we do as a Christian, and try to keep up with the surface change, after a while, the stuff underneath remains untouched and not transformed. The problem is later on, it just comes to the surface. One of the ways of saying it is it leaks out, right? It just leaks out somewhere. How many leakers in the room? Amen. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> The realization of a discipleship we have all experienced that missed the very important truth the realization of a discipleship that we've missed a very very important truth and that important truth is that emotional health and spiritual maturity are not separate we believe they're separate but they go together now I will give you a couple of bullet points of what emotional health is, because that's a really big word, emotional and health, right? Like, what is emotional, first of all, right? What is that? What is emotional health? Uh, That's always given me a stumbling block to try to figure out what are we talking about here. So I'm going to give you a couple bullet points from this chapter. Um, Emotional health is concerned with such things as naming, recognizing, and managing our own feelings, One of the things in Christianity is we've always been taught, like, you know, anger is bad, you know. Fear is bad. You know, just, you know, put it away. Put away the flesh, right? Put away the works of the flesh. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. I mean, all those sound spiritual and they sound good. But a lot of times that's just a suppression, like I said, and then it surfaces. So being able to name what we feel, being able to recognize what we feel. Many of us don't even recognize, like... What do I feel? Why am I going through this? What's going on with this emotion? And then being able to manage those feelings versus letting those feelings ima- uh, manage us. Another one is breaking free from self-destructive patterns. That's emotional health, is to be able to break free from those. These are, there's many, but I'm just going to go for, through a few. Another one is respecting and loving others without having to change them. I mean, what is respecting? Respecting is knowing that they are a different person than you. That they're separate from you. And that they are a person, an image bearer of God. Whether they're a believer or not, they're made in the image of God. Being able to sit and listen and know that there's a difference there, but not having to control them or make them do something or fit your agenda, right? Another uh, emotional uh, health is learning the capacity to resolve conflict maturely. Conflict comes in our life, at our workplaces, at home, in the church, in relationships. To be able to negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others. You know, conflict is when we, uh, right, have a difference, right? There's something that clashed. And, and being able to see something from someone else's side and be reasonable and compassionate in that situation, that's emotional health. Being able to grieve wow. as we go through hurts and losses and trials and life changes, what is, what is even grieving? Like, I've never even heard that word in the church. I really didn't. No one's ever really taught me what is grieving. That would have been good about 20 years ago, Right? Not, not now, this has been about five years that I've been learning this. So that's some of what emotional healthy health looks like. But it's not just emotional health, there's also spirituality. And they're together, I don't believe they're separate. And it's, in order for us to be able to have this emotional health, it has to be connected to uh, what is called here contemplative spirituality. And I'll just read a few of those. Awakening and surrendering to God's love In any and every situation awakening and surrendering to God's love in any and every situation as you're having a conversation with someone and that conversation starts to become adverse uh, at with adversile or adversity you have adversity in that there's a problem can you awaken and can you surrender to that God loves you so much and this person so much that he can be with you in that situation as that arises in that conversation? Can can you surrender and awaken to God's love in the trial that you're in right now? Can you awaken and surrender to God's love with you and him alone as you are together for him to just wrap his arms around you? Uh, Here's another one. Positioning ourselves to hear God and remember his presence in all that we do. I remember you know growing up in uh, not growing a trip but in my first church experience you know we had church on on Wednesday night we had church on we had youth night on Friday night we had church uh, Sunday school at 10 uh, church service right after that take a break and come back at about uh, 5 in the evenings and then Monday morning came around and then all of a sudden it was like I lost my Jesus right on Monday morning the fear came the struggle came the worry came the anger came It's like what happened to that connectedness with jesus so being able to have this uh, place where we're connected to god in every area in all the time with god resting actively in the presence of god understanding our earthly life as a journey of transformation toward every increasing union with god that it's a journey it's not a one-time quick event it's not a sprint but you know the best way i picture it in my head is us walking with jesus down a dirt road, like where are we going? Where do we come from? like that's what it is we're walking in this life, down this journey, and as life unfolds as God uh, allows it to and as we go down these roads we're just walking with Jesus. This life is about a journey versus our culture has told us that no it's about getting where somewhere getting something done accomplishing something you know getting the most out of this situation those aren't really bad but when that's all life is about then you're going to try to get there fast get it any way you can no matter who you need to run over even if you run over yourself and those that you love the most there's nothing wrong with the goal there's nothing wrong with uh, accomplishing those goals as long as it's out of love with jesus And being loving with others along the way so those are some about what emotional health we're talking about and there's it's not separate you can't be a spiritual mature person but yet treat others really bad and treat yourself bad you can't be an spiritually a spiritual person oh you're so spiritual because you know a lot about the bible but you're not experiencing it inside and others aren't experiencing it from you either. Now, let's look at what about wait a minute, look at what about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, therefore if anyone, I know the scripture is um it's going to be 16 to 18, but I'm going to point out 17 that we all know. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and that the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Right? We've all been taught that. Man, the old's gone, the new's here, like with the wand, everything's good. Just believe it, brother. Just focus on it. Just quote it every day. Just tell yourself every day, every time you get up in the mirror, the new has come, and the old is gone, and I'm a new person in Christ. But when we look at the scripture in its context, it's talking a little bit about this. Like you just read that scripture and it's proof of you brand new and we most of us were taught that way but let's look at it in context verse 16 says from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh so what is this talking about we're not looking at you as your uh, nationality or uh, if you're male or female old or young the, the outside again even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer. Like he's just a person. He's a son of a carpenter. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All is the, all. this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what this is talking about is that our outward, our upbringing, uh, who we are as a person is, is no longer in the way because it used to be only for the jew right not for the gentile and it was only according to the flesh I mean, how were you brought up who are you as a person what's your nationality all that but that we're new in christ and that we've been reconciled to christ not because of what race we are but because of jesus christ dying on the cross for our sins and this is what it is in context but there is a part that says you're new in christ and that is true And that the old has passed away now how in the world can we really understand how to become what we are to be new if we don't know what the old is because most of us grew up emotionally underdeveloped first we need to know what is the old what is the old So i'll talk a little bit about my story uh, growing up as a toddler i was told that um, my aunts would come and visit me and check on me because my mom would leave me in the crib while she ran and ran a bus route i guess i was old enough to eat cheerios or fruit loop uh no i think it was uh apple jacks those were my favorite and my aunts would tell me it was just so crazy how i'd be there just happy as can be and smiling eating my my cheerios i mean i could have choked on one of those and died but growing up you know i was left alone a lot as a a child in a crib Um, as as my mom and dad worked a lot i remember in kindergarten i used to have to get myself ready to get the bus and i missed 17 days of school the reason why i met 17 days of school is because days of our lives was on and I knew there was a strangler, and they were about to reveal him, and I just had to figure this out. Is that, is that amazing? I still remember to this day. Like, I love days of our lives. I don't love it today because I don't watch it anymore, but if I got back into it, I'd probably miss 17 days of work. I probably won't be here this morning because I'm, you know, DVR that thing, you know? But, but it was, I, I was alone. Um, I remember late nights my mom worked late and it was dark and I'd she'd tell me I'd call her and say mom When are you coming home? My dad he worked up in Los Alamos, which was an hour away at at a laboratory And um, he would work sometimes from well always in the morning He was never there because he left before sunrise or about sunrise He still does to this day and then get home about six or whatever Sometimes he'd work till nine So we'd go home after school and be alone We'd be go to school and be alone and it's just uh, a lot of loneliness and 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 so what happens through that you know um my uh when I first had an attention attention from a girl and 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 I realized that they were nice I was in third grade and I and I ended up having a girlfriend in third grade for like a year year and a half I mean there's people today can't even last six months third grade and then in fourth grade, and in fifth grade, and in sixth grade, and in seventh grade, and eighth grade, and most of my relationships were over a year to two years. I don't remember my mom holding me. I don't remember her, you know, telling me she loves me, and, you know, how, you know, good I look, or how good I am at something, or it's okay if you cry, and, and, and never, I don't, I, I mean, I hardly remember that. It was always odd when that happened. Um, my mom was brought up in a home where... Her mom used to lock herself up and say that she was going to kill herself you know my mom was brought up where there was not even a hint of any kind of uh care and love in any way whatsoever even provision many times it was like you had to earn to eat right even though there was hundreds stuffed underneath the the beds uh, between the mattresses um my mom was beat, you know, she, she was not spanked. she was beat for just about anything. She had to help her younger uh, siblings grow up and make food and take care of herself and worked at a young age and went to a private Catholic school. And, and, and in there, you know, where I come from in Santa Fe, New Mexico, it's generations of Catholics and in, in that type of religion and that schooling. If you did something wrong, I mean, they hit you on the hand really hard. They embarrassed you in front of others for, for anything, Um, not memorizing a scripture or not sitting upright or not paying attention or not having your outfit right it's very common that's very common um so i see how like it passed on to i'm lucky to even have my mom that cared enough to you know show me some love and be she always was there provisionally that's one thing she didn't do is she didn't repeat that with her what she had happened to her If I needed shoes, if I needed clothes, if I was sick, she'd always take me to the doctor. Um, She'd make me food. She's always there to to make dinner and things like that. So my mom has always been that. She's still that way. She cooks along, cares in that way. That's how she shows her love. But there was something lacking there when it came to loneliness. My dad, he came from uh, two generations, maybe three, of alcoholism. So uh, Friday nights, six o'clock, if you show me a clock and I see six on it, I became very nervous during that time because I didn't know if he came home and if, he, if it was like 6.30, I knew he was coming home uh, intoxicated. And if it was 6, he was going to be okay. He wasn't intoxicated or any time before that. So if it's 6.30, my heart would start to race because I know that meant that somehow I had to figure out how that night was going to be turn out okay. And I became very good at it. And I was like probably 7, 8, 9 years old, 10 years old during those years. And I would talk my dad out of things like, you know, getting mad at my mom or going down and going to the bar and hurting someone or, or whatever and I had long talks with my dad on the dinner table just trying to keep things cool, you know, and just seeing my dad intoxicated. You know, th- th- that made me really good at handling situations, um, but what I later on, later on found out about five years ago is when I hit a wall is that I was a big-time people pleaser, and that in me controlling situations, I was really good at that. It, you end up as a pastor, as a manager, but guess what? At 19, I was managing people twice, three times my age. I, I just can't believe it. I became a pastor at 23 years old. Who in their right mind puts a 23 year old to pastor a church after you've pastored it for 16 years? My pastor did, right? Because you learn how to handle things, you grow up fast. Um, to be able to make sure everything goes well, you're a big time people pleaser. So about five years ago, I came to this place in my life where I got tired of feeling this consistent, like something's wrong, this anxiousness, this frustration, this worry I'd go through throughout my life. And I tried to make everything right in my life. I tried to make sure everything was, was just working just fine. You know, church was a lot about that. If I paid my tithes if I came to church if I served well if I was loving to others i loving to my kids if I teach them the bible if they go to church if I try to teach my treat my wife right everything will just stay fine God won't let anything bad happen to me life will just go wow well. and five years ago nothing really majorly went wrong but I just came to the realization that that's why I was doing that and that I thought in my whole life I was in control and at that one moment when I realized that I was not in control That one moment where I hit that wall, it was the most frightening part of my whole life At that point I entered a a major depression if you would look it up It would be considered a clinical depression and by god's grace. I'm not saying I recommend this. You know, I I went through it without um medicine. I did have counseling from a biblical counselor um a a loving church image church back then and uh, a community group and friends I would talk to, and my wife that stuck next to me, and my kids, and just walk through what that would look like, hit a wall, began to read and understand that I'm not crazy. Like, I didn't just end up this way of being in control or being a people pleaser, and, and, and also loneliness that I had to deal with as I grew up, and addictions that I had for certain reasons it wasn't just because it was me, but that my past, the old, Right? What is the old in our lives i realized that that wasn't just me as a person i remember in my spiritual walk as i grew up in christ there would be times that um i had these addictions and i couldn't stop them and i and i wanted to stop them so i would sit i would come to the altar because we have altar calls and you know we believe in the holy spirit and the power of the spirit we'd pray and pray and i would be there crying at the altar saying god kill me can you that's weird like, why would you come up and say, like, kill me now? I would hold my breath as long as I could, so maybe I would die. And the reason why is because I couldn't change. The reason why is I couldn't stop my sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. And I knew that if I was sinning, I was going to hell. That's the kind of uh, first part of my religion, my uh, upbringing in Christ was. Reli- it was uh, legalistic. And that does something to you. It wasn't later till we were able to address the underneath reasons of why I was in that continual addiction. That there was loneliness there. And that's what led me to X, Y, and Z. And that, that God loved me no matter what. And that I wasn't no longer lonely. And that I had to actually face the fact that I was lonely, that it was hurt, that it wasn't right what happened to me. All those things that we face, that God wants us to face, learning what the old is, because we don't just end up the way we are. That is not addressed in church. That's not addressed normally in church. Today it is in church, you know? There's reasons why. So when I was asked about the old in my life, which is my life story, when I was young, I had to keep things cool. I had to make sure everything turned out well. I also realized that I was a big people pleaser. Um, my dad, you know, he, went, he was a, a, came from a family that worked very hard, very, very hard. My grandfather, check this out, he was a mechanic, he was a locksmith, he was a guard at a penitentiary, he w- fought in World War II, he built three houses and raised uh, his family of, I believe, five. I mean, how do you do that? A lot of alcohol. He got that from, from, from World War II. They get, ran out of water, so they gave him wine because the water was bad. So they drank a lot. And of course, what he saw in the war did something to him. He fought with my grandma. He used to chase her around with the belt. I mean, I don't know what my dad saw. I know what I saw. And that's why, like, today, like, I'm not perfect in how I treat my wife. But God has improved that to the nth degree the nth degree and he's not done improving that the thing now is that if I don't treat my wife right it breaks my heart first and I'm talking something as say something in front of others about her like I am now <laughs> and it making her feel uncomfortable or behind closed doors being like, well, why didn't we get this done, or when are you going to do that? I'm not talking about a physical abuse or getting drunk or chasing her or anything like that. That's by God's grace. You know, one thing I do know is that Jesus did tell me when I first started my walk, and I walked into my house for the very first time as newlyweds with my wife, that my home did not need to be like the home that I came from. And i remember that it was going to be able to be quiet and there was going to be peace and believe me in our home it's been mostly like that and that we don't have to fight and go back and forth and yes we do fight but we didn't have to be that chaos and i don't have to be afraid anymore and i could rest it's still growing in that area but that was something that i knew about being new in christ something could be new i just didn't know why or how and that's that underneath part see even the most respectable families have unresolved longings for unconditional life uh, unconditional love I'm sorry have unresolved longing for unconditional love that lie beneath. Even the most respectable families have that desire and need and want for unconditional love, and it lies in, under, underneath. I don't care who you tell me, who you bring to me. It's in every family. We've all had to deal with lies, betrayals, relationship breakdowns because of Genesis chapter 3 in our families, all of us. The thing is that we don't realize and look back, look back and see, what was my grandpa like? What was my great-grandfather like? What was my grandmother like? What were my aunties like? No one has ever taught us that. And you will see patterns over and over. In the super hyper spiritual, it's generational curses, and we got to break the generational curse, and we got to pray over those curses and plead the blood over those curses, which is just another way of putting a layer and bringing it lower on why we do what we do and not actually dealing with the truth. That if that's there in our life, we got to grieve that, we got to face that, and then we have to actually choose not to replicate that. By the power and the love of Christ that's within us. Amen. Most of us are unaware of our family origins and how they affect us. So many of us grow up trying different spiritual approaches for discipleship. For example, I'm going to go through this a little bit quicker because I don't even know where I'm at on time. But um, you know, what? I'll put my clock and then I'll know. Okay, let me through. Okay, all right. So for example. Um, more bible study right we got to study our bible more i know i did that in my church let's study the bible more let's memorize scripture more community connection got to get everybody in a community group got to get everybody connected in a group um we we change by the power of the spirit so guess what we'll have more prayer meetings and we'll ask for the holy spirit to fill us more maybe it's spiritual warfare that's going on so we'll work on uh spiritual warfare and what does that look like and that can go so many crazy ways um what about um understanding uh uh, taking care of the poor and the needy we got to be like jesus we got to go help everyone in need if we get everybody helping jesus then all our problems will go away what about the gospel we're missing the gospel of grace getting people to focus on and understanding the gospel of grace that it's not about performance but jesus performed for us and we're standing righteousness and people are missing the gospel i went through all that and all of those are necessary and true and good and important aspect of our discipleship but they put layer upon layer upon layer upon layer that underneath none of this gets dealt with because if we're successful with bible study and and we do we'll we'll actually experience growth we will as a person even emotionally we'll experience some growth We'll experience growth inside and out with the Bible. That's it, because it's effective and it's true. We'll experience it by prayer meetings. We'll experience it by worship. You know, we'll experience it by, you know, being able to know what's spiritual warfare and what's not. We'll be able to experience it by focusing on the gospel and grace. Yes, and that's the danger of it, is that you'll have that experience that's real and true, but it could just cover what's underneath and the why. They just put protective layers. Equally, we can equate the above to spiritual maturity, but it is not spiritual maturity unless there is growing up on the inside emotional health. See, there's different parts and components of who we are. I wish we could throw this up, but leave that there. That's good. There's social, so try to keep this visual in your mind if you're visual. Social part of our life, interaction with others. Intellectual, that's our mind and what we learn. There's spiritual, which is our understanding of us, uh, which encompasses mind, body, and soul. I mean, it encompasses a lot. Spiritual, but your spiritual formation. There's physical, that's the body. And then there's emotional, that's our feelings and what we uh, goes on in the inside. There's these components that God made us because we're in his image. And whenever we ignore any aspect of who we are as men and women made in God's image, it always results in a destructive consequence in our relationships with god when in relationships with ourselves and in relationship with others now let's go back to these five parts social social if our social part of our life is not developed how to resolve conflict how to communicate how to say what you want clearly effectively how to say no right intellectual If we're not esteeming our minds like why you know what am i learning what am i growing in how what am i thinking why am i thinking that how is my thinking what do i ponder on spiritual how am i doing with my connection with god my experiencing god what what, how do i connect so i i am having that deep loving connection with my with my spirit in God, right, our inner, our soul, our inner part. The physical, this is the one that is huge, huge, hugely missed in the church. It's crazy, crazy. We will, will, like, use as much willpower to deny and to suffocate and to suppress our bodies into doing so much or not doing something when our bodies are, and this isn't my quote, this is from Pete's wife, Pete Scazzaro, that's the author of this book, are some of the biggest prophets to us. I bet you've never heard that, I've never heard that. Our bodies are the biggest prophets, right? That come and speak to us truth. See, I was always told in, like in my first pastor, man, that guy, he would go for hours. He, he'd be up till four in the morning, get up the next day by like seven or eight, And he would tell me like and at four in the morning like counseling people talking to people helping people doing all this stuff talking about jesus right spiritual year after year after year after year he says i'll rest when i go to heaven oh this it's just the flesh he says it's nothing you got to conquer the flesh today he's really really sick like really bad depression hit him for one uh, like unknown reason for headaches and migraines that still don't go away to this day he has extreme fatigue that will hit him and take him out for days. And this happened probably in his 50s. That's young. And, and that's what we're taught. You know, You, you know, put your body aside. But your body speaks to you through these things like migraines and stress and hives and um, stomach pains and back pains and um, uh whatever, maybe extreme losses of weight, maybe extreme gaining of weight. Um, there's just so many ways that our bodies speak to us. Anxiousness we feel in our bodies, right? Uh, lack, be, Not being able to sleep, our body speaking to us. These ways that our body speaks to us are one of the biggest missed components in our lives. And did you know that your body's not your own? Did you know that your body was handcrafted by God himself. Did you know that it is the very temple of God? Did you know that it is a gift to you for you to steward and to love and to care for? And the Bible says if no one loves someone, if he hates himself. To say you, don't, you love God and not love the body and steward it as a gift that's holy and beautiful and made in the image of God is to deny God Himself. And no wonder why we want to give up after a year, two years, three years. Pastors after four years. Four years is done. Never to come back. Some of them don't even ever serve God again. The ones that were preaching to us. Or they're in this weird spirituality that's just nothing like Jesus or the truth. Nothing loving The body speaks. Our emotions. Anger. Fear. You know? Sadness. They're not wrong in themselves. They're God-given and God-made. Show me in the Bible where there's not somewhere where God doesn't say anger or fear and says it's sin. He does not. It's what you do with anger. If you handle anger and project it on others or hurt somebody with it. But anger could be The fuel to actually address an issue, a conflict. Fear can be like, why am I fearing fear? There's good fear that keeps us from hurting ourselves, walking to a place where it's not safe, right? Or coming close to hurting ourselves physically. And there's bad fear that dominates us, but even if it's bad fear that dominates us, there's a reason, and God wants to speak to that. He wants to speak to us through those fears. Sadness. Sadness is not bad. It's being able to communicate and process and share with others what it is that's on the inside that is healthy. You see it in the book of Psalms. Psalms is full of David giving an amazing example of what it is to be emotionally healthy. Job does the same thing in the book of Job. Just lets it all out to God and to his friends. His friends are like, keep it quiet. You know, like, you got to get out of this. We have a hard time with suffering. We have a hard time when that happens. God made us as a whole person in the image of God. And there's destructive consequences in our relationships with others, with God, and with ourselves. Like, that's crazy. I've never heard a relationship with yourself or love yourself or your self-esteem. That's always been like categorized as psychology and worldly, so we just leave it alone. But if you hate yourself, you're hating God. You're made in the image of God. There's a difference between self-care and selfishness. Selfishness is it's all about you, your way, and you can't get enough, and you're addicted to yourself, and yourself matters most. And if yourself isn't first, and if you don't do whatever you want, you're going to be upset with others. You'll destroy others for yourself. That's selfishness. But self-care is what? Maybe eat. Maybe sleep, maybe drink some water, maybe take a nap. some of the most, the, one of the most spiritual things you could do is those things. It affects your spirit. God never said, "I want you to live as a body or as a spirit it 's always both. they both affect each other so in our failures to pay attention, it can destroy those relationships around us. It hurts others and it hurts our relationship with God. And we blame God at the end, like, God, why this and why that? And I can't believe it and I'm done. He says, I've been trying to, sp- I'm speaking to you right now. And the reason why you're saying why, I'm speaking to you. I want you to hear me. There's a reason why you feel this way. And I'm not going to let go and I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to take it away until you. Hear me until you allow me to go to those places where I can heal. My failure to pay attention, right? My failure to pay attention, hitting a wall on the inside of me, brings many gifts. He's lovingly coming and speaking and seeking for me to change. I just wasn't listening. I never expected God to meet me through my feelings such as sadness, depression, and anger. Paul wrote, what happens when we live authentically? God's way he brings these gifts into our lives as we uh, journey into this discipleship that will do the inside and the outside where we'll learn to connect with Jesus we'll learn to relate with others Uh, and it starts with connecting with Jesus in every which way Um, God brings these gifts Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 these gifts in our lives look like this that Paul says love affection for others, joy, exuberance about life, peace, serenity. As you can see, there's the ESV in the message uh, version. Kindness, a sense of compassion in the heart. Goodness, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates permeates things and people. Faithfulness, involved in loyal commitments. Gentleness, Not needing to force our way in life. Self-control, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Look at that. Those are the gifts. That would be emotionally health. Can can I say that that this is my life? It's okay. It's okay for me to say that it's not that's actually healthy. Can I say I've experienced some of these at some point? Yes. Can I say I experience them all the time? Probably not. Do I wanna experience it? Do I wanna have these gifts? Yes, I do. So as we hit these walls in our life that come through change of job, come through divorce, come through sickness, come through tragedy, through loss, through addiction, all these walls that we will hit in our lives are no longer just walls, but it's a, a way to journey through a wall and be changed by God. They're, they bring gifts into our lives to connect with God. See, God wants to meet us. God wants to meet us in our life with his love. He wants, we need for God's love to encounter every place of our life. For God's love to meet me, to encounter my harmful words that were said to us. For God's love to encounter every loss we have had. For God's love to meet, to meet and encounter our being neglected, abandoned, being scared and frightened. For God's love to encounter how we have hurt others, Encounter our lust, encounter our anger, encounter our anxieties. For God's love to be able to handle all the ways that we were brought up unhealthy. All the ways that we've been brought up healthy. God wants to encounter those areas. See, being stuck at an immature level of spirituality and emotional development Living the Christian life that we have come to know may not be transforming those deep places in our lives. That's what God wants to deal with. The problem is, is that for the majority, is that we will not go forward, sadly enough, until the pain of staying where we're at is unbearable until the pain of staying where we're at in our discipleship, in our growth with Christ, in our lives where we're at, until that pain is unbearable, we won't go forward. And that's how we learn. That's just our human nature. That's our fallen part of us. See, we can't expect God to change us when we ourselves are not aware of and do not see the truth about every aspect of our life. If, it's, if we don't see the truth about these parts of our life and they just get masked, we can't expect God to change those things. If we could have the worship team come up, I'm just about done. And I'll try not to make you stand behind me like I always do. <laughs> we can't expect God to change us when we ourselves are not aware of and do not see the truth about every aspect of our life. Or aspects we don't see, right? A blind spot's of blind, but we got to be able to see them. We got to be able to face the truth. I want to invite you to allow God's love to meet you in every part of your life, and experience a healthy discipleship journey the rest of your days on this earth. A journey where He goes beneath the beneath the surface, where you're able to connect with Jesus right we're able to connect with jesus and where his love can meet those deep places that have been untouched unrealized misunderstood those places that are probably helpful for us that have always been named as an enemy and as we go on this discipleship journey be praying for each other be praying for myself this week i had a like horrible things happen like all in a couple days and It was just, took the wind out of me. I feel so good today, but two days ago, I was like, I'm tapping out here, you know? And um, pray for us, pray for each other. Um, I want to invite you today as we take up the Lord's Supper to say, God, I surrender. I'm tired of being tired. I, I want whatever it is that you have for me. I want to learn. I want to grow in those places that have not been addressed. Yes, I've been involved with all this other, what we call discipleship, that's good and it's helpful, but may it never be a layer over the deeper parts. Reveal those things to me. Show me those things. Bring them to me little by little as you see fit. Even right here, right now, I want to connect with you. How many times we come to church and we don't connect with Jesus? How many times we're alone and we don't connect? connect with me now. I pray that that God's love will meet you where you're at. Let us pray. Father, I pray for all of us here today as we take of, of, of the bread and of, of, the, of the juice, Lord, and, and we know that you were broken so we could be able to experience you and for you to touch those parts of our lives that what comes out of us will be Galatians, will be love, will be joy. Father, and that we'd be loving to others, not making ourselves loving, but love would come out of that, come with that connection from you. I, I pray that even this morning that those of us that are just struggling right now would, would know that that struggle, that, impa- that, that uneasiness, even the, the wanting to be a church leaver and give up, even that is a sign of you coming to speak to us, and that we don't have to be afraid, and we don't have to give up, and we don't have to throw in the tall, because that's not what you meant for us, God. You do not meant for us to join the rest of those that have left you, but actually that you would use the very fact that you've, we've come to this place to actually help others to come and walk alongside you on a journey where you will mentor us, where you will disciple us, where you will speak to us, and then we can love and mentor and disciple and speak to others out of that experience with you in a real and deep way. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.